0: I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg. I am joined today, finally, by the usual suspect. Seems like it's been a minute since we got back on the microphone together, and it's the reality of the situation is when the basketball team continuously gets COVID and cut off for weeks at a time, it is tough to keep producing content for a Hokie podcast. We will do better, and hopefully the team will do better at being able to stay on the court for better or worse, whether it is their fault or not. Mike McDaniel in Northern Virginia, as usual, how you doing buddy i'm
1: glad we're uh back hitting record i've been getting back into my podcast this week so uh recorded last night recording again tonight feels good to be back
0: also joined by the one and only ricky leblue ricky i've missed you man how you been
2: doing all right enjoying some uh way too late cookout here on a tuesday night um We would be remiss if we didn't mention that one of the reasons that we haven't recorded in so long is that Mike McDaniel ran off to Arizona and had a bachelor's bachelor party. (laughs) Hope that was fun, Mikey. I did. I'm still recovering. (laughs)
0: uh, I'm like, I'll I'll try to keep it PG here. When I ask about the bachelor party. So how'd you golf? I
1: like usual, you know, uh, mid eighties, bunch of drinks in me. Good. Had a good time.
0: I actually, I went to the driving range today and I, I I was hitting the ball pretty well, but not straight with any sense of consistency. So I texted the great Norm Wood. I said, Norm, do you have any advice on how I can hit the ball straight? And he said, just drink a lot and it won't matter. <laughs> and I said, oh, "Well, Oh there you yep. go there you go but first before we get into any hokey stuff right now i gotta say this podcast is brought to you by main street pharmacy main street pharmacy in downtown blacksburg is the pharmacy that you want to go to if you want a pharmacy that truly cares about you don't be a number be a neighbor head on over to main street pharmacy dr jeremy counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need all right boys let's jump in and i want to jump in with kind of the historical perspective here. Mike Young, coach of the year, took a team that was picked to finish 11th in the ACC to finish third, a double die in the ACC tournament. Mike Young narrowly edges out Florida State's Leonard Hamilton. Mike, not the first coach in Virginia Tech history to win ACC coach of the year. Seth Greenberg did it in Virginia Tech's inaugural ACC season and then did it again a couple years later. Buzz Williams never won the award but got pretty close and obviously had some very successful seasons turning around Virginia tech's program. I want to compare Seth's tenure and the years that he won the award to the years that buzz was on the cusp. How, how does this program rebuild if you will compare to his two significant predecessors as Virginia tech's head coach? Well, Seth's issue was that he never got over the hump
2: and while he had some really good teams with Malcolm and Jeff Allen and guys like that, um, those teams never really punched through, you know, that they, 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 never, um, they never looked like they actually belonged over the course of a, of a lot of games. There were some times where they looked really good and sometimes where they didn't. Um, but what we've seen under Mike Young is that, Tech has looked like they belong for most of the season. And he has – what Mike Young has done is in some ways um, less impressive than what Buzz did in his first couple years, but in other ways more impressive. Um, Buzz took a program that was basically dead and turned them into a competitive program in year two and was able to build a perennial NCAA tournament team, basically. But you you never got the feeling that it was lasting. At least I didn't. Um, It it always felt like it was going to come to an end as soon as Buzz finally found the job that he wanted. With Mike Young, it's a lot different. What what Mike Young seems to be building is um, a, a much stronger team culture not that those guys in the Buzz William era, not that they weren't great leaders and they weren't great people to cheer for, but um, there's a lot less star power on this team. Um, just if you go by the the players on the roster, there's no Kerry Blackshear, even if KV Luma has been terrific this year. There's no Justin Robinson. Um, there's no Nikhil Alexander-Walker. There's no first round pick just looming in the wings, right? What Mike Young has done is has create. He's created a team that is greater than the sum of their parts, and this is something that I've said numerous times on the podcast. He has created a a synergy that is is noticeable in good coaches. Um, some coaches benefit a lot because of the roster that they have. Some coaches build on the roster that they have and I think that Mike Young has done that leaps and bounds and I think he's very very deserving of the coach of the year of the ward and uh, not that he needed any because I know that's not how he rolls personally but this is validation of what he's done in the first two years Um, and if if he hadn't already arrived as a major division one football coach he has arrived now
1: Mike Young is a better X's and O's coach than Buzz Williams is. And Buzz Williams is an excellent program builder. Like that's his MO. Like flat out. I mean, Young won 299 games at Wofford. Right. I mean, he's won 330 games over the course of his career. When you account for his first two seasons here at Virginia Tech, certified winner, certified, certified winner. And I think the biggest difference between, What Mike Young inherited and what Buzz Williams inherited is that the program health, when Mike Young inherited this from Buzz Williams, was infinitely better than it was when Buzz Williams inherited the program from James Johnson. This was one of the worst basketball programs in the ACC when Buzz Williams got to Blacksburg. And, you know, Seth Greenberg, like Ricky mentioned, had success, right? Uh, but he also had some trials and tribulations. You know, he recruited he recruited well at times, and at times he didn't get the most out of the talent that he recruited. Um, but at other times, you know, he had NCAA tournament teams. But what Buzz Williams was able to do is he was able to take the program over from James Johnson, rip it down, and build it from the ground up. And it took a little while, but by the time he left, he had a Sweet 16 team. That was a tip in away or a failed tip in away from going to an elite eight, and I think Virginia Tech, you know, if they had found a way to win that game in 2019 in DC in the Sweet 16, um, a game that they were very close to winning against Duke, I think Virginia Tech could have beaten that Michigan State team in the next round and gone to the Final Four. I mean, that was a legitimately really good, veteran-laden, star-studded team. Like Ricky alluded to, like. This team this year, you know, they don't have a Black Shear. They don't have an Med Hill. They don't have a Justin Robinson. They don't have um, a Bibbs on the roster, right? Like they don't have those types of guys, but they do have a lot of really good young players that are playing really well together under a coach that has held it all together in a year where it hasn't been really easy for any team in college basketball you know, to really get things going consistently. It's it's been a year where it's been very difficult to kind of go through the year and and go through the season like you ordinarily would, just given the COVID situation. I mean, Virginia Tech, when they take the court on Thursday, it will be only their third game in 32 days. And that doesn't happen in a normal year. So, look, Mike Young, very well-deserved ACC Coach of the Year, Leonard Hamilton, another very deserving candidate, Josh Pastner, Georgia Tech, what he was able to do after how Georgia Tech started the season to kind of turn that around. They're playing some of the hottest basketball in the ACC right now, and and they're going to be a really dangerous team um, if they make it to the tournament. But this is a well-deserved award for Mike Young and what he's been able to do at Virginia Tech with the talent that he has has been really impressive in his first two seasons. I mean, I thought they were a bit ahead of schedule last year, quite honestly, when they were playing well, I think through, I'd say middle of January, and then they kind of hit a lull where, you know, the freshmen obviously had some tired legs. Or Tech played a lot of freshmen last year. Um, but what he what he's been able to do this year, I mean, the Hokies are ahead of schedule and, you know, some people would say, okay, It'll be a disappointment if Tech makes it to the NCAA tournament and then loses in the first round, just given like what this team has been this year and how good they've been. But if you take a step back and think about what the expectations were coming into the year, Tech was picked 11th in the ACC. The fact that they're even going to be in the NCAA tournament already puts this program well ahead of schedule. So it's easy to kind of zoom in and understand that like if they were to lose even on Thursday, right, in the third round of the ACC tournament when they, when they play their first game in about two weeks, right, and only their third game in 32 days, it's easy to say, oh, man, they, they lose in the ACC tournament. Now they're going to go to the NCAA tournament another week removed, right? It's going be, to be their fourth game in 39 days next time they play or 40 days um, if they were to lose on Thursday. It's easy to take, you know, the, the bird's eye view of it and say, look, this program's ahead of schedule. But we can still be disappointed that you know the team that was playing this well gets hung up by COVID, can't get a consistent, you know, consistent playing time uh, going towards the end of the year, and it's disappointing with how the season ended. But this program is so far ahead of schedule right now, and there have been some good recruits that have come in already that are already making an impact. David and Gusan's been really good. Joe bamisol has been taken on a bigger role. Darius Maddox's time is coming in Blacksburg. Once with Beedy departs, he'll have a big role. Um, and, and Mike Young has just done a great job just kind of maintaining the culture and he'll get even better players in Blacksburg. I'm curious to see what he does with that talent and if it exceeds, you know, what we had under Buzz Williams here in Blacksburg, given the talent that he had. I think Mike Young could get more out of these guys than even Buzz Williams did when he gets some better recruits in the door. So the, the program's on an uptick, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: Mike, it, it's funny to think about how it was actually – less than two years ago when you and I were in the concourse of Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. for that Sweet 16 game because from a program perspective, that feels like a thousand years. I mean, here we are two years out and with the exception of Wabisa Beatty, any semblance of what Buzz Williams built is gone. And, and it's not like the... Names that we knew as we watched them develop under buzz were just so easily replaced. Carrie Blackshear, gone. Justin Robinson, gone. All of the role players, whether it be PJ Horn, Isaiah Wilkins, or of course Landers, Nolly, all out the door within two years. And Hunter Couture, a guy who didn't have a single power five offer, was not the world beater that we thought could replace those guys. Keve Aluma, who, while he was a good player at Wofford, no one in their wildest dreams thought that in his first year in a Virginia Tech uniform could be a second-team All-ACC player that, quite frankly, if it wasn't for the COVID pause, I believe would have proven his worth as a first-team All-ACC guy. He only missed by four votes. Mike Young dealt with circumstances that two years ago we wouldn't have anticipated that no one would have thought possible. Not only COVID, which we'll get to in a second, but the mere prevalence of the transfer portal as a entity in college basketball all these guys were gone but his ability to bring in aluma bring in Justin Mutz develop Tyrese Radford and put together a team that in year 2 could so far exceed expectations to put together a team that in 2 years a young fledgling program with no Nikhil Alexander Walker, as Ricky mentioned there, there was no insert of a top 15 NBA pick. And then to do it with these transfers, with these freshmen and sophomore and and do it during COVID in such a turbulent season and manage to get quadrant one wins left and right and, and dominate in inferior opponents for the most part this year with the exception of when they came off a COVID pause only a a a great X's and O's coach someone who's more than just a program builder can pull that off and here we are And, and like Mike mentioned it now seems like a first round exit will be disappointing but when you take the the 3000 foot view of the situation. This is so far in excess of what anyone could have expected out of this team going into the season. And and, and that's why, in my opinion, despite the great work that Leonard Hamilton did at Florida state and and Josh Pastner taking a a veteran team with low expectations and a bad start to the season to a double buy in the ACC, Mike Young, his accomplishments this season, dwarf those. And Yet at the same time, we have to look forward. And right now, Virginia Tech, a team who has remained in the top 25 for the vast majority of the season, sits at about 22. But when you look at the bracket matrix, which is essentially an online aggregate of every single bracketology that's out there, has the hookies on the nine line. A win against North Carolina could help them. Obviously, a couple wins could help them even more. But for a team that has shown that coming off of these COVID breaks, they're simply not shooting at their best. There's good reason to worry about the potential of facing a North Carolina team that in flashes at the end of the season has shown themselves as someone that wouldn't surprise me, at least personally, if they made a run all the way to the championship in the ACC tournament. So I'll ask you this. Let's just say tech loses that first game on Thursday and they drop to a nine seed, potentially even worse. Is that the committee unfairly punishing them for circumstances regarding COVID that for the most part were out of their control?
2: Well, in a sense, it's unfair because Virginia Tech can't control the COVID circumstances and and nobody's been able to control the circumstances that they've had to face thus far. But I don't think it's unfair given that we've seen already multiple times what can happen when Virginia Tech goes on these long breaks. Um, The first game that they played coming off a lengthy layoff was the 11-point loss to Pitt, which probably should have been a bigger loss than that. The second game coming off the lengthy layoff was a 16-point loss to Georgia Tech, who, as it turns out, is a pretty decent team. Um, They're going to have not played in about a week and a half, almost two weeks, when they finally play on Thursday night. That's not going to be good. And if they end up having to face North Carolina, who is really starting to heat up, that could be a problem. Um, and even if they face Notre Dame, which was able to pick up the win against Wake tonight, uh, it's really hard to beat a team three times in one season. Now Notre Dame's not very good, or not very good, so they have that going for them. But no matter who they get in this game, it's going to be a bit of a dogfight, I think. And Notre Dame is clearly the worst, or the, the worst of the two teams. So Tech would obviously rather face them. But I think it's pretty – I would almost take it to the bank that Carolina will win that game and that they're going to have to face Roy Williams and company. And if that's the case, it's going to be a really, really tough one just because we've seen already what happens when this team goes on such a lengthy layoff. And and to be fair, that's not unique to them. That is across the, across the country, players that are having to sit for a week, week and a half, two weeks, and not being able to play, they're rusty. I mean, that's just normal. It's the same reason why when guys get hurt in Major League Baseball, they don't immediately come back to the majors. They go on rehab assignments in single A and double A and triple A. So Tech's not going to get a rehab assignment for this game, unfortunately. So hopefully Mike Young has been able to keep them as sharp as possible, but you can only do so much.
1: Yeah, I know when uh, when Tech – came back and lost to Georgia tech after the COVID pause a couple weeks back, Mike Young in the post game said, you know, win, lose, or draw, we just had to get back out on the court and compete. And I know as part of that initial pause, the initial COVID pause, they had multiple guys who were quarantined alone in a hotel room and then had to, come out of quarantine that day got cleared and then had to play that game that night so it was understandable why they were so out of shape and so kind of dysfunctional I guess in the first half second half they played much better they end up losing the game obviously but they did play better um, Virginia Tech now going into this game the one element of it that's different that Mike Young mentioned in the press conference today ahead of the ACC tournament was that Tech has been able to practice during this most recent uh, COVID pause, which is good because they weren't able to do that during the first COVID pause because, you know, there were positive tests. This was more of just a contact tracing situation uh, that ended up canceling Tech's last two games. Now that matters to a degree, but there's also the element where Virginia Tech hasn't played live competition against a different opponent, which is a whole different element to this right now. I expect Virginia tech to be in better game shape when they take the court on Thursday than they were after the first COVID pause where they had guys who were just, you know, hadn't practiced and had to come back out and play. Um, So I think from that standpoint, they'll be in better, in better game shape to a degree. But when you haven't played against live competition in almost two weeks, when you're playing only your third game in 32 days, it's going to be a dogfight, no matter who you play to Ricky's point, even if, You know, Notre Dame were to beat North Carolina uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday, uh, for those of you listening. If Notre Dame were to win that game against North Carolina, that would still be a tough game for Virginia Tech on Thursday. You know, Notre Dame would have back to back games under their belt. It would be their third straight win, dating back to the Florida State uh, finale and then their victory tonight against Wake Forest. If Notre Dame were able to beat North Carolina, Um, and they would kind of be clicking on all cylinders versus Virginia Tech not playing a game in a week and a half, that would be a difficult game. And Remember guys, like when tech played Notre Dame earlier this year, they played him on two separate occasions. The first time tech trailed for a decent bit of that game. And they went on a run late in the game, Hunter Couture, as he, as he does hit a couple of huge threes down the stretch and tech pulled away in the final two or three minutes tech played better uh, against Notre Dame. The second time around won that game by double digits was, you know, relatively in control, but Notre Dame hung around. Um, Notre Dame can be kind of a difficult matchup if they get hot from three, which is what they did tonight down the stretch against Wake Forest. But they are not a very good team. And Tech would definitely much rather see Notre Dame than North Carolina. But I don't think either one of those opponents are going to be easy for Virginia Tech. North Carolina, in my opinion, could absolutely win the ACC tournament with the way they've been playing. And it's so wide open this year. You know, we saw Florida State lose to Notre Dame in the the regular season finale. And Florida State, I think, you know, a lot of people expect them to um, if not be the favorite, be one of the two favorites to win this ACC tournament. So anything can happen in this conference this year. And the way North Carolina has played since the month of January, they're going to be a really tough out. So, yeah, I think, I think Tech's certainly got their work cut out for them, um, just given the fact that they haven't played. I, I wish there were a couple games that Tech had under their belt, you know, before facing whoever it ends up being on Thursday. But it'll be good for the Hokies to get back out on the court Hopefully they can win a game in this ACC tournament just so they can play another one before getting to the NCAA tournament. I don't really care. It would be great for Virginia Tech to go out and win the ACC, but I think what Tech most definitely needs right now going into the NCAA tournament next week is to play more than one game this week. Get your legs back under you. Find a way to win that game on Thursday. Get yourself into the weekend, right? And see what happens. And if you lose, you lose, but at least you get back out on the floor. You can get into a little bit of a rhythm because that's all that really matters this time of year. And Tech, unfortunately, has been one of the few teams in college basketball that has had to go on COVID pause this late in the year. And the fact they had to do it twice makes it all that much more difficult for them moving forward. So hopefully they can play a couple games this week. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I I mean, it it comes down to the fact that the last moment that Virginia Tech's basketball team did something that we could really hang our hat on. Was 40 days ago when they beat UVA. Since then, they lost to a Pittsburgh team in the classic Virginia Tech letdown game. And to Virginia Tech's credit, at this point, the Pittsburgh team that you've watched flail as the season's gone on, not the same team as back then. They had a couple of midseason opt outs that Justin Champagne has simply slowed down. But after that, I mean, you narrowly beat a pretty bad Miami team. You go on COVID pause, come out the break, lose to Georgia Tech. Like Mike said, Given the circumstances, it's understandable. Then you beat the brakes off Wake Forest, which, I mean, good, but it's Wake Forest. Who cares? It's not like the tournament selection committee can look at that and be like, oh, never mind, Virginia Tech's back. And then you get a couple more games canceled. So it's been so long, and Virginia Tech has basically stood pat as these other teams have been able to collect Tons of data points, both positive and negative. So, what Virginia Tech can do to reestablish themselves as a serious top 25 team in the country when it comes to this tournament seating is win on Thursday. Now, as we just talked about at length, given the fact that they haven't played in two weeks. That might be a tall task, especially against a team that not only has played the day before, but has been playing consistently over and over again. They've been playing well, at least at times. You looked at the way North Carolina played against Duke. That looked like a team that could win a game or two, and in, in not just the ACC tournament, but the NCAA tournament. So I don't know if Virginia Tech's getting screwed. Maybe they're getting screwed by the situation, but if you put yourself in the shoes of the tournament committee, you can kind of understand their thought process if they – rank Virginia Tech a little bit lower. Now, on the other side of that, I don't think that there should be any situation at this point where Virginia Tech misses the tournament. You have four quad one wins. You've beaten a Clemson team that the committee seems to love. You've beaten Villanova and you've beaten UVA, who very well could end up being the ACC champion. Virginia Tech is an NCAA tournament team, and that needs to be established. And I think that Mike Young wouldn't say it in the press conference today. And even you look at the bubble watch things, uh, media outlets across the country, they refuse to acknowledge it as well. But it would be an absolute travesty if Virginia Tech was snubbed.
1: Right. I don't think they will be either. And I just want to, like, two real quick points, like, before I let Ricky jump in here. Like, number one, the committee is only going to go off of what they've seen. Now they have seen four top 20 wins for Virginia Tech. That's really good, right? But as far as seating is concerned, not playing for a month is obviously going to hurt Virginia Tech from a seating standpoint. Uh, but also, when you take a step back and you look at kind of where this team was beginning of the year to where this team was now, like there's there's no doubt this is a more well-rounded team from like a rotation standpoint, and who they've been able to play, getting Tyrese Radford back, Hunter Couture getting into a rhythm, Joe Bamosel contributing off the bench like this team's got a really high ceiling. Um, I think it would be a shame for them to be on that 8 or 9 line but I or, or even like a 10 line. I, I can't really see that happening. I think they would be probably in that 8 or 9 line, which would be kind of a bummer from a seeding standpoint because then they'd have to play a one seed in the second round if they advance, which if you're in Baylor or Gonzaga's bracket, like, thoughts You're prayers. toast. Like, thanks, thanks for playing. Great season. So uh, hopefully they're able to avoid that.
0: Yeah, and I guess that would be the blessing in disguise, right? If you were to some reason drop down to the 10 line, I think that those one seeds being like you mentioned Gonzaga and Baylor. I know Michigan's shown a little bit of weakness, but I wouldn't want to play them either. And I mean, I don't know who grabs that four spot. Will it be Illinois? Could it be Alabama if they make a run in the SEC tournament? I wouldn't mind playing Alabama. It's I, I think that would be a okay. But at the end of the day you kind of are where you are at this point but ricky what's the ceiling let's say they win a game or two how high can they get seated
2: i can't see them getting any higher than a five um if they i mean look at the bracket right so tech is probably i mean if we're being honest tech is probably going to face carolina um Carolina should beat Notre Dame it shouldn't really be close let's say Tech wins that game so there's one win then they end up facing basically either three teams um well it would be either three teams be Florida State, Louisville, or Duke um a win over Louisville other than the (laughs) the institutional success that that would mark given that (laughs) Tech The emotional removal of the monkey off of the back. Yes, given given that would be a huge plus for the program. I think Louisville would be a decent win. Florida State would obviously be a massive win for Tech. Um, Duke, eh, I mean, part of me thought Duke was going to make a run here towards the end of the season, and then they proceeded to go seven-point loss, four-point loss, and then absolute blowout against Carolina, so – I'm not really as hot on Duke as I was a few weeks ago uh, once Jalen Johnson announced that he was, or he was leaving the program. Um, but if tech is able to pick up two wins, I think that gets them up to like a, a seven or a six. If they win the damn tournament, then they're, we're talking about maybe a five or a four seed, but I don't think that that's realistic. I don't think that tech is going to win this, win this tournament. So if Tech wins one game, I think that that places them comfortably in the 8-9 realm with a possibility of being a 7. And then if they win two games, then I think they're firmly in the 6-7 range. And then after that, you start thinking about, well, if they're if – they're, well, let's say they catch Virginia. They're, they're able to beat Virginia. We've obviously seen that already, even though Virginia is pretty hot right now, that we know they can beat Georgia Tech, even though they – did not play very well in the last game against them. That's the thing about the ACC this year is it's just so wide open. And there, I mean, even though there are a couple favorites in UVA and Florida state, um, neither of them are overwhelming favorites to win this tournament. So tech has a path to get to a six or a seven C, but they're, they need to focus on not getting pants in their first game on the floor in almost two weeks.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, for sure. And that's kind of the, the dichotomy of it, right? And now, also,
2: real quick, I think Mike Young will be able to get them to get into that mindset.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I certainly I, I certainly am with you on that because, I mean, I, I wouldn't if they catch Carolina in their first game, I wouldn't bet on Tech. In all seriousness, I wouldn't. Just the way that we've seen them come out of COVID breaks, the fact that North Carolina will be coming off of, at that point, two straight wins, including the Duke game, and then I guess they would have beaten Notre Dame. I wouldn't bet on Tech at that point, but at the same time, Carolina has shown their vulnerability. They scheduled a bye game to try to improve their resume against a team in Marquette that has a losing record overall, and they lost that game at home by double digits. Carolina is vulnerable. Florida State, who was supposed to be the overwhelming favorite in the conference, they lose their final game of the regular season to, quite frankly, a bad Notre Dame team. UVA lost three straight earlier in the season, or you know, recently earlier in the season. And that included a loss to NC State, who's not a world beater by any means. Georgia Tech, as well and as scrappy as they've played, no one's going to put them as any kind of overwhelming favorite. And I mean, who else is there? Clemson's been on and off, probably one of the hotter teams in the ACC as of late. Louisville's been on and off. They lost by 40 points against Carolina earlier this year. Anyone could win this thing. And I think that, yes, the money should be on either UVA or Florida State because they've been there before and they have a veteran presence. But I mean, th- this is the weakest conference in major college basketball. It, we, we are two years removed for a, from a season where Virginia tech had their best team in years and they were the five seed in the tournament of four, of a, a four seed. When it came to the big dance, the ACC had three teams on the one line this year. And now it's reasonable to think that the ACC champion will be no higher than a four or a five.
1: Yeah. Weakest conference in a while from a top end talent standpoint. Um,
2: that's what happens when Duke and Carolina basically take the year off right. relative to their standard. Right. And, and
1: Carolina has now been, I guess, down by their standards for two years. Now they're so much better. Dame. And Notre Dame's been bad now for three years, um, which... Has raised questions about Mike Bray's job security. I don't know. And
2: also, I mean, either. Miami was bad this year. We're not used to Miami being just a bad program. I
0: mean, yeah. Laronega could be, I wouldn't say hot seat, but he may be getting ready to step down if this continues much longer. Louisville, yeah. Louisville's a team that we're used to seeing in the top 10, top
2: 15 nationally, mm-hmm. and they're down. It, it, the ACC has definitely taken several steps back um, in terms of the the quality of the conference. I mean, like you said, Andrew, it was just a couple of years ago where we were looking at Tech being a top 25 team and we were wondering whether or not they were even going to make the top five or six, you know, in the conference. Yeah. Just because of how deep it was.
1: What's interesting too is like the ACC were used to having like multiple teams in the top 15, right? Multiple and
2: teams in the top five.
1: Yeah. And now it's like, A bunch of teams are just like varying levels of good. Like there's not a lot of great teams. Now there's still a lot of good teams in the ACC and there are a lot of teams who have stepped up and played, um, I I think above expectations, Virginia tech being one of them, Georgia tech being one of them. But then there are a lot of teams like Louisville is probably about what most people thought, maybe a little bit below what a lot of people expected this year, but like North Carolina coming off of how bad they were a year ago. Like it's a step forward from last year, but it's not up to their standards as a school. Um, Duke is obviously down; they're <laughs> they're fighting on the bubble, fighting for dear life, trying to make the tournament. We're not used to seeing that really ever.
0: They they are underwater, my friend. They are yeah. fighting an uphill battle.
1: Yeah, they're they're in they're in some rough shape. They got a huge game um, against Louisville there in the second round of the ACC tournament. Uh, I tell you so- what, the
2: Duke Duke couldn't have had a much better a much better spot in the bracket given that they have to they get to face an underachieving Louisville team um after that they get to face Florida State which is obviously a tough game but even if they let's say they beat Florida State then they're then they get to play either Tech or, or UNC both of those teams are eminently beatable even though Carolina whipped the Duke in the in the finale so
1: yeah you mentioned the you mentioned the uh the thing earlier about it's hard to beat a team three times in a season when talking about Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. Well, Louisville's beaten Duke twice this year, and now they're going to have to face them for a third time here in the second round of the tournament. Coach Kay said tonight on his press conference um, after their victory over Boston College that they're going to have to find a way to neutralize Louisville's backcourt because they have caused Duke a bunch of problems, and that's something that we're not used to seeing out of Duke basketball. It's like their backcourt struggles to really – score against and keep up against an opposing backcourt so that's that's been a whole issue i i don't know i mean the acc is so wide open this is a year where you could see a team that is down towards the bottom of the conference like jump up as like a double digit seed and win the damn thing like north carolina would be my pick but i you know if that were to happen it's just so wide open and we'll have to see what happens there
0: yeah, there's just simply no great in the ACC this year, and that's not something we're used to. We're used to seeing, you know, top five picks multiple on one team. We're used to the concept of a three or, or two or three ACC teams making the final four be a very reasonable possibility. And, I mean, there's plenty of good in this conference. Now it's varying levels of good. Sometimes it's it's good. Sometimes it's more on the, the high side of mediocre And maybe the Sweet 16 could feature three or four ACC teams. That wouldn't come as a big surprise to anyone. I think some of these teams could step up. There's certainly the talent there. But at the end of the day, you look at this field of teams in this ACC tournament, and this is crazy to think that this sentence exists because two years ago, it, it would be unimaginable, but no one in the ACC right now would be more than a five, six point favorite in a neutral site game against Rutgers. <laughs> yeah. I mean That's the reality of the situation. Yeah, and that's crazy. like what the eighth team in the big 10. Yeah. It's
1: a down year for sure. For the ACC. Um, I would be surprised if the ACC gets a team in the final four. That would It's all about the draw, right? We, we know that it's, it's all about the draw. Um, also, I could see a Florida I mean, state what, what get the a hell, draw and make a run,
2: but what in the hell would happen in the tournament? If a team get, gets COVID and can't play.
1: Right. I mean, I mean, elements you don't think about in a normal year that you have to think about this wouldn't year. Wouldn't
0: that be unbelievable if, like, Gonzaga caught some COVID and suddenly the number 16 team is moving on? Then they play Virginia Tech in the second round. We're back in the 16. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But hey, let's zero in on Virginia Tech for a second. I mean, looking at this tournament the in the short term, the ACC tournament, what has to happen? not only for them to advance around or two, but what has to happen? what do you have to see in order to go into the big dance with some semblance of confidence that this is a team that can make a run.
2: Tyrese Radford needs to shoot the ball more. Um, he's only taken 13 shots in his last two games. Uh, he needs to bump that up by about four or five shots a game. He's, he's the guy that you want running the show in terms of putting the ball in the hoop. Um, I understand KV, KV Luma can score. I understand that Naheem Malin has shown the ability to take a lot of shots, but Naheem has not been very efficient for most of the year, especially when, since Radford went out with his arrest. Um, he did have an efficient game a couple times ago, but for the most part, Naheem has been a little, a little all over the place. They need to be able to lean on Tyrese Radford offensively to create shots and to make shots. Um, and the other thing is Naheem Malin, I think that they need to try and take pressure off of him offensively and get him less shots, but better shots. He needs to be someone who isn't being counted on to create for this offense. I I think that he is, at least at this point in his career, he is better if he can be used um, at a much lesser rate than what he's been used in the, the last month and a half, two months. So, for me, it's all about getting Tyrese Radford the ball, the ball more, and taking some pressure off Naheem.
1: What matters to me, it, as far as like what we need to see, no, like number one, high level, like the team just needs to play. Like we just gotta see them on the court, and they gotta play and get their get their legs under them against competition that's not themselves, like scrimmaging in practice. Uh, but from the standpoint of like player by player. Naheem Aline is is really important, and another guy is Joe Bamosil from the standpoint of now Virginia Tech is likely not going to have Jalen Cohn for the ACC tournament, may not have him for the NCAA tournament. If that's the case, somebody's going to have to take up those minutes, whether that's you know more of Hunter Couture or more Tyrese Radford or more Naheem Aline. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the minutes distribution. And I was hoping to see a bit more of that, um, live in game action before we got to March madness, but, uh, you know, the COVID pause makes that difficult. So I am interested to see what Mike Young does there. I'm also interested to see if Cordell Pemsel gets a little bit more run off the bench. Uh, he had come back from his back injury before the second COVID pause. He was playing about nine or 10 minutes a game, uh, off the bench, which, I'm not sure how much more he needs to play uh, than that, but I think he's a definite plus, right? When he's in the rotation, he's able to uh, give Keve Aluma or Justin Mutz a blow because they've been playing a ton of minutes as a result of Pemsel being out of the lineup, uh, just out of necessity. And Aluma and Mutz are going to play a ton. They're two of the most important players on the team. They're well-rested, the we know the team. That. And we know they're well-rested <laughs> after this pause, but um, as far as, you know, giving them breaks during the game, especially if one of them gets in foul trouble. You don't necessarily need to need to play a Luma. If he's got two fouls, you know, halfway through the first half, you can, you know, use Pemsel in a pinch. You can rotate mutts um, you can go with several wings. Now, if Joe, if you're comfortable with Joe Bamisil playing more minutes, you can, you can roll with Joe. You can roll with Hunter Couture and Aline, um, with Beattie, a lean with Bedia point guard. There's a lot of different options there. Uh, for Mike Young. So I'm interested to see the mids distribution now with Jalen Cone not in the fold. We've seen that a little bit of that, but I want to see more of that going into uh, the big dance.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because at the end of the period of time this season where Jalen Cone was playing, we were far removed from Jalen Cone being a dominant offensive force. And yes, he was a dominant offensive force from about December 15th to January 10th. But in the preceding 20 games, which amounted to about five games for Virginia Tech, he was nowhere to be found. And and Mike Young only played him about five minutes in that last Miami game. Now, granted, the injury could have been a significant factor, and it could have been something that was mounting and mounting and mounting and ultimately became too much to bear for Jalen Cohn. But it has exposed some potential good stuff and exposed some potential weaknesses. Now, potential good stuff is, like you mentioned, we've seen – Bama Seal come along a little bit. And I think that's going to be a product of more in-game experience, seeing that speed of the ACC level. That also begs the question of if there was anyone that this one-month pause was probably bad for, it was probably him, right? And, And this is a guy who had been injured twice in his high school career. He really has played very limited basketball since about the age of 15 and we know all the talent and all the potential of the world is there it's a matter of how quickly he can catch up and can he be a factor otherwise i mean with the absence of cone a scrappy team like this we've seen it in march madness time after time after time tends to rely on one or two really hot three-point shooters to put them in a position to beat a team that on paper is more experienced, more talented, more athletic, and, and, and simply, you know, better on paper than the underdog. But a, a hot shooter here or there can get you there. I mean, you know, we saw it with Davidson and Steph Curry. We saw it with Jimmer fred I mean, obviously those were better players overall, but even with the, the Northern Iowa's of the world over time, I think Jalen Cohen would have been the perfect candidate to be that guy had he been hot. Unfortunately, if you listen to the Mike Young press conference, it seems that you have to plan for life without Jalen Cone, at least in the short term. I would not expect to see Jalen Cone there until the round of 16 until that second weekend if Virginia Tech were to potentially get there and that's just what I gauge off of what Mike Young said so between now and then who steps up is it going to be Hunter Couture is it going to be Nahim Alin? I don't think you can go in and rely on Keve Aluma simply going off every single game because teams are going to be able to plan around that if you're what Sabidi can you create something offensively from a scoring perspective where you're not so neutralized that they simply don't guard you when you have the ball eight to 10
1: points, eight to 10 points a game. That's all he needs to give them. Exactly. Respect. And we've seen
0: him do it before. It seemed like he did it more effectively at times as a sophomore with Buzz Williams. and, I don't mean to bash the guy because from all indications, he's a, he's a model citizen, a great team leader, and and he's a good defender and and a distributor of the ball on offense. The system, which is very complicated under Mike Young does run through him, but we can't play four on five. You can't play four on five in the ACC tournament. You simply can't play it in the big dance. So he is the veteran leader on this team and a lot of the weight, is going to be put on his shoulders to step up and like you said mike we're we're not asking the world out of this guy eight to ten points just you can't you can't go over five from the field <laughs>
1: like, just be somewhat of a threat to score when you're wide open like top of the key yeah. or yeah it's free throw basically. line free throw line extended like that's yeah. that's it
0: it's uh he's capable of it. yeah I, I truly believe he is i mean he's He's not going to be some dynamic scorer. We've watched him do it. You know,
1: we've watched him do it. And you're right. He's not going to be a dynamic scorer. He is who he is at this point.
0: Right. He He is is who he is. is. Yeah. And I think sometimes people treat him unfairly because they want him to be more than he is. But I, I, I think there's a happy medium of expectations that Virginia Tech fans can create if they want to see him succeed and ultimately see this team win. But. Otherwise I mean I, I I like the development that we've seen from Justin Mutz over the course of the season. He has stepped in in the long droughts that we've seen from this team from beyond the arc and his mid-range to inside scoring has kept Virginia Tech in games for better or worse whether they won or lost. But I want to ask you guys as we sit here you know and, and wind this podcast down knowing that let's just assume that North Carolina is our opponent on Thursday how, how how many games can this team how many games do you expect to see this team win in the ACC tournament
1: um to be to be quite Just honest it, to, Just to be it. quite to be quite honest <laughs> with you i i don't think they're going to win a game in the ACC tournament um i think they're probably going to lose to north carolina and i I would feel better about this game if tech had played more recently, <laughs> um, but not playing, having a couple layoffs, a couple pauses. I don't, I don't think it helps. I mean, this team is, this team is hundred percent capable of, of winning this tournament. I just don't feel confident that I, there's wide variability. I mean, let's call it what it is. There's wide variability coming off of COVID pause and this conference, again, this conference tournament is wide open because of everything we talked about already. But I wouldn't count on Virginia Tech winning a game because it's really difficult to come out and and play well and play against a team that has played several games more recently than you um, and expect to just win that game. What, regardless of whether you think you're better than North Carolina or not, which I do think Virginia Tech is better than North Carolina this year. I just think it's it's a very difficult ask for them. But I'm open to be proven to being proven wrong because I think this team can absolutely win the tournament.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go with zero too. As much as it sucks to say that, um, I I don't think the gap between Tech and UNC is is enough to the point where Tech can spend an entire half trying to figure it out before they finally catch a rhythm in the second. I don't think they'll be able to make up the deficit by that point. Yep, um, I agree. If if Tech had played more than two games since February 7th, which we're recording this on the 10th, that's oh, it's a month and a couple days. If Tech had played more than two games in the last four plus weeks, then I would feel a lot better about picking Tech, and I probably would pick Tech to win. But, I mean, think about it. These guys have played two more basketball games than we have in the last month. Like that's, that's not good. And it's through no fault of their own, but these are the circumstances that you're being dealt with because of the, this crazy season that we're in. So um, it'll be a shame. And I think a lot of people are going to be really deflated and it's going to put a bad taste in people's mouths going into the NCAA tournament. And it's probably going to end up leading them to get a really bad draw. And even if they were able to, scratch and claw their way to a win in the first round they're probably going to get stuck facing a, a one or a two seed right off the bat afterwards but um unfortunately this is just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes and tech tech got COVID at a really bad time they were very fortunate for most of the year to to not have been affected by it um but obviously the last month or so it's been really really painful
1: you beat north carolina i think you can be a seven seed I think if, if you they, lose, if eight they or go nine. out
2: there, if they go out there and beat Carolina without having any any legit game experience in almost two weeks, I think they can win the damn thing. Yeah, me too. Um, because they're only going to get better by that point, and yep. we've seen Florida State be vulnerable. Um, they've already beaten Virginia. We've, we've seen them beat Duke, obviously. Georgia Tech is eminently beatable. If Clemson were to somehow jump up there and make a run, we know they can beat Clemson. In in some ways, this game against Carolina, which again, we're assuming that Carolina is going to be the opponent here. This game against Carolina may be the toughest game that they'll play the entire tournament. And yeah. that, that sounds kind of weird given the fact that Virginia and Florida State could potentially be on the docket, but when you haven't played in two weeks and you have to face a team that is full of four and five-star recruits and they have one of the greatest coaches of basketball history on the bench, in in many ways this game is tougher than anything else they'll see for the rest of the ACC tournament.
1: Get past the first one. Like, just get past the first one. And that's so meaningful, not only for their chances in this tournament, but, but, the NCAA tournament. but for the NCAA tournament. Like, it's really important for them to play more than one game this week.
0: Uh, I, I completely agree, and I will say you talk about the bad taste in the mouth because I, I, I do – I'm with you guys on, on the fact that I don't think they will beat North Carolina. I believe they can, but the past is prologue, and we have seen all throughout the season the teams coming off COVID breaks just simply aren't very good in that first game back. It's understandable. So when that happens and when Virginia Tech drops a seed or two – consider those circumstances and take that 10,000 foot view where this team an NIT birth before the season would have been considered a victory. That would have been considered moderate yes, success. Yes. Following the Buzz Williams stairway to rebuilding a program. And they're ahead of that. And they did it in a season where the odds were simply stacked against everyone, but with, the newness of this team and the lack of experience that this rotation had playing together prior to the year. I mean, it it, it was hard to imagine they could get it together so quickly, but you know, within a week they had beaten Villanova, they've knocked off Virginia, they've beaten Clemson who's going to the tournament. They've showed themselves to be a good basketball team multiple times. And I think this is a team that, you know, whoever they get in that first round draw, they have the potential to beat. But like Mike said, it's, it's all about getting your feet back under you. It's all getting your basketball legs back. And this ACC tournament is going to be a test to see where they are following this break. So I see them losing. I see them dropping to a 10 seed. I I don't think the dropping to a 10 seed would be the worst because I think that the one line is stronger than the two line in a significant way. And Virginia tech has a 10. I I don't think there's a seven seed that's unbeatable out there. And the two line would say, again, it's all about the draw that you get, as you guys said. And, we kind of just got to roll with the punches and take it as we go. But you guys got anything else to add before we wrap this bad boy up?
2: Um, Shouts out Tech Baseball. Um, kind of taken aback by this home run hammer deal. I, I really would like to know where the hell that came from. <laughs> I, I'm not a huge fan of um, these kind of like crazy celebrations with the props, but it seems kind of cool. Uh, but no, Tech Baseball is, is absolutely on a heater right now. Um, they have TJ Rumfield, who has an OPS of 1170, <laughs> which <laughs> now granted it's only 10 games. But if you're familiar with OPS numbers, you know that that's absurd. He's on the moon. My man's yeah, on uh, the
1: moon. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then Gavin Cross has an OPS of one in the same number of games and Tanner Schobel has, uh, 15 RBIs in 10 games, <laughs> like just lunacy, like absolute raking, absolute, I mean, absolute lunacy. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout out to John chef for getting a couple ranked wins against Carolina, uh, tech, ba- tech baseball is ranked for the first time in, I th- in what 13, the last I American believe year it was half? 2013. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. It feels like it's been longer than that. Um, I know the entire time I was at Tech, Tech's baseball was not good at all. Uh, as much as I love Patrick Mason, the team was not very good. But John Sheff has definitely started to turn things around over there, so English field is getting pretty loud lately. Yeah,
0: they're no letting fans back in the stands. Your boy can watch a live sporting event and drink a beer in a, in a stadium for the first time in a long boys, time.
2: Boys, If if they have fans in the stands this season at Tech and Lane Stadium, which they should – the three of us need to go sit somewhere in the east uh, east stands and just get plastered. Yeah, I am here for it. I'm yep. absolutely here
0: for it. <laughs> Mike, you got anything before we go? Uh
2: no.
1: I baseball team's been awesome. So
0: rate review, subscribe.
1: Rate review, subscribe. <laughs> baseball team's been awesome. Rate review, subscribe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep I, I think that about sums it up shout out tech baseball you know we haven't made the acc tournament in years now the ncaa tournament is, is looking like a serious possibility and i even got some crazy people screaming omaha in my year so okay <laughs> hold, hold on hold your ten, horses 10, ten games just, 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 <laughs> enjoy it I mean, don't get me industry. wrong it's lit 10 games <laughs> these 10
2: games have been fun but calm down
0: yeah <laughs> all right folks we'll be back probably Either Monday after selection Sunday or Tuesday after selection Sunday to talk I mean, about.
2: Heck, boys, let's let's maybe talk about getting a, a pot out on maybe Friday. Like, yeah, that no, we could,
1: depending on how could. the game goes. I like it. Yeah, let's do it.
0: We absolutely could. All right, Go cool. Well, we'll talk to you guys soon. Shout out to Main Street Pharmacy. They know what they're doing. You want a uh, pharmacy that truly cares about you? Look no further. Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts, wonderful staff, taking care of everything you need. We'll be back. Everyone enjoy the ACC tournament. You know the Wednesday and the Thursday. Hopefully, Tech gets a win, and we'll talk to you about it, regardless of what happens. Go, Hope.